guess as a aperitif is an intro topic. I was a little interested to talk literally about literally never heard that word in my life. Aperitif. Aperitif. Welcome to high society, Justin. I don't know where you think I'm glad you to are welcome right you. now. <laughs> but that is not the place. This is not the place. Well, you know what? I guess we should I'm, save it for your Sherlock Holmes game nights. All right? Yeah, I'm trying something out because we we should probably start with our new name. <laughs> oh sh- yes, that's right. I yeah. actually totally forgot about that. So I'm trying to class up the joint a little bit. We got a fresh right. start on things. Yeah, that happened a while ago. Now I guess. Mm-hmm. So, uh, boy, so I got an email. From a woman who does a science podcast. Don't pretend like you don't remember her name. I, Kira, it's Kira Lindenberg. Well, right. Remember their name, right? So, right. So, <clears throat> so this woman emails me who does the science radio show with her friend on a public radio station in Portland, S- Portland, Seattle, <clears throat> that area, north northwest area. And lo and behold, their name of their science show is Everything is Interesting. Uh, And so she was just emailing because they're trying to do some stuff with it, including trademarks, whatever else. They have shirts. Do they? I I thought so. They're way more. I honestly didn't. I honestly did not look into it in the slightest. This didn't happen in like 1986, (laughs) Justin. This happened... Two months ago. I mean, I think that shows my level of commitment to the name of the podcast <laughs> is as soon as someone came along was like, hey, we can we have this? My initial thought was like, thank you, Lord. Finally, someone is asking me to take this name away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So I was just like, sure. Um, I, I have no real affinity towards the name at all. It was kind of something that we settled on when we first started doing the podcast as, I mean, I always felt as it was just kind of like, a, we, yeah, we've got to have a name right yeah. before we do something. So that was, that I mean, was we could have it. called it. We, we need a name podcast. Right. Like, exactly. you know what I mean? For everything is interesting. Yeah. And so, and also not to like slight this woman at all or take any shots, whatever. I don't think it's really that great of a name. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's kind of clumsy. It's long. And the other thing that it does for me, maybe this is specific to me, but every time I would hear everything is interesting, the first thing I would do in my mind is think, no, no, it's not. There's plenty of stuff that is not interesting. Right. It's a it's a declarative statement that I did not stand behind at all. We basically lived in the house long enough to realize all the problems. Right. And so when another buyer came along, we were like, sure. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Everything creaks. Yeah. Go for it. Right. Have at it. Do not contact me in six months when you've realized the mistake you've made. Right. They want to give it back for (laughs) some reason. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) What if they want our new name? Exactly. Well, that's the other thing. So then, so then I'm thinking, so I'm sharing this email with you. And there is a bit of a mystery can, can going I, on. Can we talk about the mystery? Are you going to lead up to the sure. mystery? Sure. I mean, you, you, can go ahead. You, you can go ahead. Do you remember the mystery? Yeah. So the mystery is that their names. So these these women have names. These women who are friends that do this radio show have one of their 
both of their first names is Kira. Yeah, spelled differently. Spelled though. differently. And then one of their last names is Lindenberg, and the other one's last name is Klingenberg. Or <laughs> Klingen- or but they're like so oddly similar. And they're just like, they're not like related in any way. They're just like, I, cause I emailed her and I was, we were just like joking about it. She's like, no, we just kind of met in college. And because our names were so similar, we decided to start like hanging out together or whatever. So it's just one of those things where it's like, it's just a weird coincidence, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I always like that got me thinking. I've been thinking a lot about that. About Kira Lindenberg meeting Kira Klingenberg. Right. And becoming friends. Yeah. And I met a, at my work, so my last name is Krepko. Right. There's somebody I met, she's a surgeon. Her last name is Kropchko. Krochko? Kropchko. Oh, okay. Like, it's literally what I've heard people bastardize my name right. too yeah i've heard people all the time we like crep cre, uh krepchko yeah. and i met i met the krepchko yeah um we're not fast friends she's she's fine <laughs> but you know what i mean it made me like should i start just like a facebook group for like keith krepko's or right like heath klepko's Right. Well, I did. Maybe that. there's a Heath right. Klepko. I out did there. that on Facebook once, and I got in trouble by Facebook for it because I What'd went onto Facebook and I tried to send, I tried to add friends. I tried to add every single person that was named Justin <laughs> Blizzard as my friend, and then like the next day, I got like some message from Facebook that was like, "Hey, we've noticed that you're like spamming people or whatever. You've been reported. Like, don't do this or whatever." That was a long time ago. Yeah, you should be like, look at my name. Yeah. Don't, wouldn't you want to be friends with every... You should have looked for a uh, Huston... Um, Jizzard? Well, okay, <laughs> there's something going on right now that I feel... I've been fighting this for uh-huh. a second. I don't know why, like... So I kind of have a feeling like dogs are a little... I've always felt this way. <clears throat> dogs are a little psychic. Uh-huh. Have you ever felt that? No. You know, like, I guess as a kid, I heard, like, dogs could smell fear. Well, sure, but that's the far cry from being psychic. Yeah, but, I mean, I always thought they had this kind of, like, special insight or whatever. Sure. So, anyway, your An dog animal is... animal instinct? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but a little more than that. Anyway, so, your, your dog, who's big, uh-huh. Ace, is underneath your big table, and... He's under there, and I just, for whatever reason, had this visual image clear of him just biting my groin like jaws, Mm -hmm. like just jawsing my groin. And I couldn't shake it. Like, I didn't know where he was. I just Mm -hmm. knew he was underneath your table. And then I felt his snout right in. And I just got this feeling like. He really likes to smell crotches. Well, well, here's the thing. I got in my, like, he's going to pick up on my visual image. Right. Of him attacking my groin. And he is going to not even realize or notice what he's doing. He's going to just bite my junk off. Um, And so the whole time while I was talking, you were talking, I was trying to, like, pet him and clear my mind so he wouldn't Mm -hmm. pick up on my visual images. So he wouldn't attack my groin. Right. 
and it works apparently. Now he's now he's on a bone. One of the bones that we talked about last time that that could kill him. That could kill him. That choose it. It's indestructible unless it gradually destructs. Right. Which is, I guess, okay. It's a scenario where it's like I understand that this could kill him. Obviously, I do not want that to happen. But if it does happen, it's yeah. You know. Say la vie. What are you gonna do? It's one of those things. It's like it's like you hear like especially with with animals. And again, I don't wish any harm on any animal. I right. want to say that. So there is a um, a hamster uh, choked to death on a mouthful of toilet paper. Uh-huh. Is and there's like a story you saw. Well, no, it's it, but here's this is another a, one of your fears. No, no, it actually happened. Okay. I'm trying to truncate the story aspect sure. of it. Just to say that a, a hamster choked on a mouthful of toilet paper. Uh-huh. And when that happens, you just kind of go, yeah, you know, way to, like, I'm, yeah. I'm proud of you. You yeah. found a way to off yourself that is completely, you know, unavoidable and unique. Right. You really wanted, I think, deep down something like this to happen to you. Right. And you succeeded. Yeah. So, you know. Um, all right. Yeah. So back to the name. Oh, I we're think, still on that. Yeah, I think initially the first thought, I mean, for me at least, I'm sure we agreed upon this, with the name of Everything's Interesting, is that we wanted a name that would be able to encompass... Very broad. Right, that would not limit us to talking about certain things, because we wanted to be able to talk about anything, right? So hence the name Everything is Interesting. Problem is, like I said, everything is very clearly not interesting. And it's also just like... I just feel like having a declarative as like a title, you're just inviting people to just be like, no, no, it's not. Yeah. I mean, at least me, people like me, like if I see a declarative statement, my gut reaction is going to be, that is wrong. I don't care what the Well, you know is. what I liked about the name? I like the idea of people turning it on and being like, wait, these are the people who <laughs> right. think that everything is interesting. <laughs> like all they talk about are kind of movies and right. they don't really like anything. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of like... I, I like the name because it forced you to listen to it to, I think, yeah. actually kind of figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the other thing about giving the name up. Like, when was the last time we ever actually used the name in the podcast? It's been years. Yeah. The name does not get the cold set. open. Yeah. The name does not get said on the podcast. It mm-hmm. doesn't like, it just is like completely arbitrary at this point. Oh, you know what? My son had a great. Uh, recommendation. Oh wait, first, do you, do you want to announce what? Na- I guess I should end with this story. So the name now is just. So I said I think we should just go as broad as humanly possible. Well, I came to you. I was like, we should either go really specific yeah, exactly. on like an inside joke, or we should go broad. And you right. were like, way ahead of you, buddy. Right. So we're just going as broad as possible and calling the podcast everything. That's it. <clears throat> but before your story, so of course I searched this podcasts to make Nobody. sure it's not taken it is taken oh here's the thing it is they misspell every they use a three yeah well in the beginning so it's called everything just everything the album artwork is um just a white Blank. square mm-hmm. with a black infinity symbol oh they get right it. yeah and then there are like five to seven episodes from I want to say 2015, from like a string of days in October of 2015 
like five days in a row. They've got one episode posted each day. Each episode is five minutes long. The title of each episode is just like a string of 13 uh, uh, alphanumeric characters, Mm -hmm. just completely random, just A, X, Z, P, 3, just... I think you just C3PO. Right, five episodes of that. And the Mm -hmm. episodes themselves, because I listen to all of them, is literally just a text-to-speech robot just saying random letters for five minutes five minutes straight and that's it it's almost like a computer becoming self-aware that just needs exactly. to dump like exactly random information or what it made me think of really is like it's it has to be somebody's experiment at like the like uh robot newswire the newswire robots that they have now where it just is like they just have robots who are just writing up the most generic news headlines. Mm-hmm. Some guy's trying to do that with podcasts, and that is his first attempt. attempt. It's just this self-publishing text-to-speech robot just reading Letters. alphabet, basically. Mm. So I didn't feel bad about just using the name. We're living the future. Right. <laughs> um. So, yeah, Indy, going back to, like, saying the name in the podcast. He said, I told him that we changed the name to everything, uh-huh. which first, and I think he was being legitimate. He, did it blow his mind? <laughs> no, but I did blow his mind earlier tonight. Um, we, we were talking and he was like, dad, what if you um, like yelled to laugh or whatever? Uh-huh. You mean... Wait a minute. So instead of laughing, you just yelled? Yelled. If, that, if, that, if that's how people express laughter. Sure. And I said, well. Some people do. What if you laugh like this? Uh-huh. <laughs> Without me laughing at the end. <laughs> I was trying to do a cry that was loud uh-huh. enough to get on mic. Sure. <laughs> and I realized I, I took a breath too long, so there's probably just a long silence. Anyway. So I started crying, uh-huh. and he said, Dad, that's really sad. And I said, but if that's how you laugh, that would be really happy. Mm-hmm. So I said, let that blow your mind. And he did. and kind of sat back, and his <laughs> eyes got big. So anyway, um, <clears throat> so I told him, you know, we, we changed the name of the podcast to everything. Mm-hmm. He said, Dad, every episode, you should start by saying, Hey, welcome to, and then just name a random thing. Mm-hmm. This is everything. Right. It's like, you can be like, hey guys, welcome to Tree. Today we're going to, I was like, that's, that's actually really good. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that was his, his input. If you want to take or leave it. Sure. I mean, I like the idea. <laughs> the problem is that it is in complete contrast of <laughs> me not doing any sort of <laughs> intro whatsoever. Yeah. Well, if we I've tried to, to, yeah, I've tried to cut out as, as much, I try to Justin, cut out all of the traditional media stuff as possible, as I humanly say possible. it shows. Yeah. It's really, yeah, I love sure it. it. does. I really appreciate it. So yeah, so that's why the artwork is different now. Name is different. Not that it's going to make any difference whatsoever, because like I said, we don't use the name. Yeah. So. With that out of the way. Yeah. As the um, <clears throat> trying to think of a dumbed down version of aperitif. 
Uh, yeah, right. please. As the, as the Coors Light to this uh, uh-huh. buffet that we're about to partake in. One thing that I want to talk about, and you know, we've, we've talked politics mm-hmm. on here. I'm not so interested in, in getting into the particulars, but I am interested in kind of getting your kind of um, your take on this question, which is, or, or situation, which is just like, I, you know, so I listen to a lot of podcasts, movie, video game stuff. And in a lot of them, they, people will pause to be like, hey, if it's hard for you to focus on what we're going to talk about, we get it. You know, the world is going off the rails. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to find value in all these little things, right? And I don't know about you, but I've like experienced like a renaissance of like just film, TV, music, books. Like I just want more of it, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't know if people have this like, this false idea of this kind of narrative, which on the one hand, I totally get, which is like, there are way more important things than the most important thing going on in your life happening every day, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's 8 billion people in the world. So somebody is experiencing something that is more dramatic than whatever you're, you're experiencing. You're still experiencing your life though. Right. So it doesn't Mm. devalue what you're going through. I think that's good at times to pause and be like, Hey, I have video games. Some people don't like, that's the reality of the world we live in. Sure. And I'm not for creating like a politics free zone. We've talked about that before. I think on this podcast, right. Or yeah. whatever. It's like, yeah, there, there's no such thing as a po- All you're talking about is creating a zone where all you have is your politics. Like that's right. That's yeah. all you want to create. There's yeah. no in, kind of in a crude sense, like the only in a reductive sense, the only people who can afford a politics free zone are like middle to upper class white guys like us. Yeah. But, but and, not even and, us though. Like that's the whole point. Yeah. But I mean, like I, I would say people who fall into our demographic are the people who are calling for, <clears throat> the politics free yeah, zone calling for it because but, they're not as overtly affected by it as everyone else. Well, I think because they bought into this kind of false narrative that politics exists outside of their own energy that they, that they perpetuate. Sure, the But I mean, like I was thinking about this when I was walking the dog before you came up, I was listening to, uh, pods of America. Hmm. And they're talking about how Trump is hinting at uh, going to war with North Korea, right? Um, and in my mind... Oh, you'll see. Right. Calm before the storm. You'll see. In my mind, I just cannot believe... I just can't comprehend living in a world or living in a country that is at war with another country being led by this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I just can't, for whatever reason, like it just doesn't register with me as being true, Mm. as being something that can happen. But I recognize that that is because for the most part, I've lived my life just because of 
who I am, how I was, you know, what I was born into, not really affected by much of anything. You know what I mean? Like I've had all of the, you know what I'm saying? Accoutrement. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. But you know what I mean? Like I'm not like, I don't have to wake up every single day and be faced with some form of bad news. You know what I mean? Outside of you're you. Right. Well, I was <laughs> going to say Trump. But oh, okay. Sure. Sorry. <laughs> sure. But you know what I'm saying by that? Yeah. Like, I think part of that feeling for yeah. me is, is that, is the fact that I've lived in a world more or less where I have been unaffected by all of the bad things that are going on in the world. You know what I mean? I'm not racially profiled. I'm not sexually harassed. I'm, I'm just am not affected by any of these things because I was born a white guy, a white male to the, to in the middle class. And right. I've been in the middle class for my entire life. And this podcast is your birthright. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And now fulfilling the white middle class dream, I have my own podcast. Mm-hmm. Called everything. Right. Exactly. How presumptuous. Right. So. Uh, yeah, so I guess my my kind of angle on it tonight is, you know, I think it for me it's like this false, false, this false kind of uh, perpetuation of like we can only care about one thing at one time, which is a lot of what arguments boil down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, this guy flew private jets to basically go get lunch and come mm-hmm. back. But, you know, I don't hear people crying over welfare. For, for, sure. I can say it without laughing, you know, sure. it's just, it's just like, oh, so all my energy can only be for like one thing. So let me get all worked up against welfare fraud. And then I, what, I don't have time or space mm-hmm. to like worry my little head about Mike Pence creating a, a scandal for himself to walk in and out of, you know, at my expense. Right. It's like, I want to, I want to see the Mike Pence walking out tour where he just basically goes to places that offend him and then will walk out of it. Like Mm -hmm. the plan an event outside of a strip club, go to it, start a speech and be like, I can't give a speech in front of this and then storm off the stage and fly away, you know, (laughs) right. To help raise awareness. So anyway, um, but but my thing is, is like, I I want more of that in my life. Like, I find myself craving more of that mm. in my life. Mm-hmm. Now, whether it is like escapism or whatever else, I think all that is like good, you know? Uh, again, in everything like in moderation or whatever. But it's like, I don't think that I need to give up. And, and you know, obviously, like we, we've, we talk about this, right? Some of the art we like best is political overtly i think all art is political even inadvertently mm. i think everything can boil down to because you can't get your perspective out of it you know right so anyway um but I, I think i think that there's a space for both and i find myself like craving escapist entertainment uh more now than i did you know in any time where i recognized it previously what's your response been like do you find yourself like playing cuphead and being like the world is burning and all I'm doing is playing cuphead. Or do you see yourself being like, man, 
thank you to Cuphead and games like it or whatever that can help me kind of have this experience in well, my life. The interesting thing about Cuphead to me is that my, it's so frustrating. It's a bad example. It's frustrating. <laughs> no, <clears throat> the reaction I've had, I've had that, and I still have that. Leave politics out of my Cuphead, my Cuphead reaction to Cuphead because <clears throat> I don't know if you listened to maybe it was the Besties talk mm-hmm. about Cuphead and they were talking about the possible racism or uh, I guess just because it's because of the art style that it uses, like uh, maybe inadvertently tying itself to some of those racial stereotypes that that form of animation is known for. Mm -hmm. And I was actually listening to it with Julia. And as soon as I said that, she was like, oh, yeah, I've noticed some of that stuff in Cuphead. And my initial reaction was like, these people are crazy. I haven't seen any, not, maybe not crazy, but like, it's just that they're, they're being way too oversensitive. I, know, I haven't seen, I haven't picked up on any of it. Um, but again, that is probably says more about you know, you. <laughs> me than it does the game but, itself. Yeah, but I mean, on the besties, they they quickly kind of settled on the fact that it does a good job of skirting those. Right. Like they brought it up as like something to be thoughtful, Aware of, but they, right. they were like, but they've done a really good job of kind of like. Well, and I think some of that pushback is like people being too thoughtful. Are we being too thoughtful? Like if, 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 if the whole point is to just not talk about it at all, then why even bring it up? Like, why are we being that thoughtful? You know what I mean? Like if, if your whole, if your whole, hey, have some ideas, <laughs> you know I'm saying that? but not too many of those ideas. The whole point is that they were really good to not do and to not fall into any of those traps. Then why are you even bringing it up that to be aware of the traps that they are not falling into? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But- I think that's where the, PC Uh-oh. teeth come into it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, here we That's go. what the PCers are going to grab onto is what I'm saying. And that was my initial reaction. My initial reaction was the PC reaction of like... PC police. Exactly. You, right, uh, exactly. I, I mean, here's, here's the thing. I, I, I think in our culture, I think it's a good thing that we are oversensitive. I'll say that. I think a lot of people get bent out of shape over a lot of things like... I, I wanted to write a post like anyone would even read it uh, about like why I actually like social media, you know, and, and having conversations on social, social media. Mm-hmm. So everyone's response is always like, nothing's ever solved on social media. Social media, like just perpetuates problems. Oh, I'm tired of all these conversations happening. It's, it's like, mm-hmm. I think your approach is the problem there, buddy. You know, I don't think social media is the fault when somebody says, Look at these statistics about gun violence. And I just say that I think social media is the problem. <laughs> See, look, you are look, talking to I know. that guy. <laughs> I know. And you know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is where, where I'm going with this. Because, because I feel like on the one hand, you know, validating somebody's experience, I don't think ever hurt anybody. And then there's this other whiplash where people are like snowflakes. And then they're being quote unquote, a snowflake about whatever else in their life that's pissing them off. Right. Somebody kneeling during an anthem, you know? It's like you you are guilty in a different way of the same thing that you are oh, sure. challenging other right. people about. Yeah, it's so like, just like all of the people who are right. I mean, it's it's it, right. It, it's exactly. It's no yeah. different than the all of the 
all of the, you know, whatever you want to call them, who are now saying that the the athletes should be fired for kneeling. Like, that's the exact same thing as you getting upset for you getting upset at someone who wants so-and-so fired because they won't serve gay people or whatever. Right. It's the exact same thing. Right. Yeah. So, so anyway, I think it's interesting. I I actually think that conversation is interesting from the standpoint of the, the racism of those cartoons, which I think some people might be blind to. And so it's like, I do think the cuphead, there's not a whiff of it. Exactly. Other than the, the art style. But I think it's still a fine conversation to have because I think a lot of people are like, those are the cartoons I was raised on. Just like mm-hmm. they say, well, this is my culture when they're talking about a, a statue. You know, it's like that statue is not your culture. You yeah. know, somebody erected that with their own kind of political point and perspective to accomplish a goal that you don't even realize what it was anymore. Right. And you've just claimed it as your heritage, right? You're, you're being selective what you're choosing to honor and uh you know to me stuff like that is like yeah make people aware of the fact that it was really troubling when you had these outlandish large featured cartoons Mm -hmm. that you know kind of characterized and stereotyped a lot of different people um i think i think that that's that's important to think about if not for cuphead about maybe cartoons that people, you know, kind of remember <clears throat> fondly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Like, I don't know why people get so bent out of shape over a lot of things. Yeah. Um, it's like a lot of people have their conversations and their perspective and their experience. Having said that, allowing people to have their experience, I think, also means like, go have some fun with your movies and games and books mm-hmm. and don't apologize for it you know i mean those are the things that i want more of in dark times as times get darker uh <clears throat> rather than less yeah i guess i don't ever think of it that way i don't mm-hmm. ever have the thought of like all of this news is too much for me i just need to sit down and play destiny you know i always think about this is honest I always think that whenever there's post-apocalyptic shows or whatever, I would be the person who'd be gathering, trying to like collect a full like monopoly set mm-hmm. or like clue set. Cause I know that eventually as we kind of settle or start to try and rebuild, mm-hmm. we're going to be crushingly bored. Right. And there are all these games that people have created to help us not be bored. And that is going to keep people from killing each other when we can actually divert all of our frustration and anger and attention onto a game after a day of foraging and fighting whatever cannibalism, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, I think that's the, I think there's real value there. Sure. I don't know that people. And again, like as times get darker, I think people do tend to like jump ship on quote unquote frivolous things. So I'm like, man, more frivolous things in the world. I think would have prevented a lot of tragedies. I forget who said it, but somebody was like, historically now, I'm not making a political current statement, mm-hmm. although it, I will now, it does apply. But anyway, they were talking about history, right? And they were like, um, 
the the greatest oh gosh okay i'm going to bastardize it but basically their idea was some of the greatest follies of human history are because uh, powerful men could not be alone in a room with themselves mm-hmm. and that's it like if somebody had just perfected the art of just being comfortable sitting in a room having all the power in the world and being like no, this is fine sure then then we our history would be a freaking garden of eden still you know what would help those people have sat quietly with themselves and been okay mm-hmm. a book a game mm-hmm. something um sherlock the the game the board game <laughs> so, that game's fun yeah so the last uh thing we released you were talking about how you wanted to play the sherlock game you got it mm-hmm. for your birthday right yeah and you played it so what did you make of it got the wrong one but it's fine i want jack the ripper i got the wrong serial killer just so the other one is still a sherlock game but uh-huh. it's about jack the ripper yeah and kind of uses like all the mm-hmm. research on jack the ripper but so, yeah, I got this Sherlock consulting detective game. Mm-hmm. And it kind of bridges that gap in between. Like, let's break out the old board and play a game. And, oh, my God, we're doing Dungeons and Dragons, aren't mm-hmm. we? It's like a perfectly in the middle where there's no kind of board game. There's a map. And there's some interactive things. You have a directory with people's, like, locations. You have a newspaper that you can read. Um, and pick up different clues potentially. Mm-hmm. And then so you have a crime and you're trying to solve the crime in less clues than it took Sherlock Holmes to solve it. Right. So it's just, it's cooperative. Um, there's a lot of reading, but that can be fun too if you have fun with it. Um, but it's really well executed where I think I feared that there would be kind of like shortcuts on clues and in the writing because either the writing is going to be a novel or it's going to be like a truncated Mm -hmm. bastardized kind of shortened explanation. Right. I think this walked a really well kind of uh, a fine line, I should say in terms of it never felt like too much reading, but just enough to give you what you needed to know out of everything. And the problem and the, 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 the murder was, um, I think, well, like it was well constructed, a lot of things to think about and to have followed up on. So, no, I thought it was, I mean, I think the biggest problem is just like getting people to understand what it is and then the buying. So I knew like first time it's going to, you know, we're, we're going to just try and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And if anybody's interested, then we could try again, maybe a little more knowing like what to expect. So I had a, I had a blast. I thought it was super fun. Mm-hmm. Have you played it again since, or that's the only time you've played it? Well, no, because I mean, you, you can play with like two people, but it's a waste. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because that's the other thing. It comes with like a certain amount of stories, ten. right? So 10 stories, but then like once you play that one story the one time, you kind of can't play it again, right? Well, I mean, I guess the only thing that you could do, knowing the solution is, you know, kind of investigate the corners more. Right. Um, but no, it's like, it's something where I would like to do it again at like 
Thanksgiving. Like, mm-hmm. I think we're all going up to New York. We're not going up to New York. Okay. <laughs> we'll Skype you in. But like, I mean, not that I know of, at least. Yeah, uh, up in New York, I'll probably bring it uh-huh. Christmas. Sure. You know, probably try and find a night to kind of break it out. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like a three, four time a year game. Right. Um, but it was super, it was super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't, I'm not, I'm just not, I don't like cooperative games. First of all, uh, I you want to win play. I want to beat somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I want to play against somebody <clears throat> and the, uh, role-playing aspect of me. It, it, I can't, I can't take, I can't do it. I just can't take it. The, mm. Like the role-playing, the acting stuff is just... <laughs> I just can't. I can't do it. I can't witness it, mm-hmm. and I can't do it. Yeah. <clears throat> and speaking speaking of which, it just gives me like the heebies, right? Yeah. Speaking of which, something else that gives me major heebies that has somehow <clears throat> gained like traction in our culture are all of these singing shows. What else is there? Carpool karaoke. Uh huh. The Voice. No, 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 no. I'm talking about like karaoke shows. So like uh-huh. carpool karaoke, lip sync battle, where like celebrities just lip sync songs and Fallon, dress right? up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then there's another one that we had to watch a commercial for before Blade Runner uh, called Drop the Mic, <clears throat> where people are now rapping, karaoke Ooh. rapping. It's, <clears throat> I just don't understand how people watch this these shows like it is literally the worst thing I could watch on TV outside of like someone being beheaded. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) But it's like, it's like beheading is number one. Number two is watching Nicole Richie rap a song at James Corden. Oh, Nicole Richie. Yes. That's who is in the corner. And just like, how is this a thing? How did this become a thing? James Corden and Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Fallon. Oh, it just is the worst. Well, I don't understand how people watch it. Wh- wasn't it? Who was it? I, th- I think it was um, Make Happy, Bo Burnham. Doesn't he kind of talk about that there? Where, where, where he talks about... You know better than I. Yeah, all, all the different kind of... So, yeah, I thought he talked about like how that is like the death of culture, where you just have people... Yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah, standing up, like doing karaoke, like mouthing songs that they didn't themselves like sing, right. and then getting... Any kind of attention based on that, yeah, is it's just so like banal. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll one up you on your beheading thing. Well, quickly, and did you see the Foo Fighters story that came out? The Foo no, Fighters yeah, did really. a carpool karaoke, <laughs> and then like the next day, Pat Smear came out and was like, "It was one of the worst experiences of my life. We thought we'd get in this van with this guy for like an hour or something." And he's like, and like four hours later, they told us we were only halfway through. <laughs> four hours? That's what he said. A phrase I've been thinking a lot about lately is the banality of evil. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's like karaoke. Sure. It's evil. It's just banal. And so it gets a pass. No, yeah. It's, it's evil incarnate. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people love karaoke. I have no issues with karaoke okay, in not, and of not itself. Karaoke, I'm, but yeah, like the I'm televised stuff, shows. I can't take it. Yeah. Uh, it just 
man, it's the worst. I'm it with you. It's just the worst. Oh, really quick, just to cap it off. <clears throat> oh, no, never mind. <clears throat> you, you hate trailers, right? No, I love trailers. You love trailers. Do tra- what, what do you love about trailers? Do you love... Because one thing that we've talked about is how you are more of like, show me the finished product, I'll make my decision. Like, mm-hmm. trailers can give you some idea, but you rarely get super excited for a movie based on a trailer. I don't think that's true. I mean, you I, do. I think a, tra- a trailer, yeah, trailers get me excited for movies if they're good. What I mean, was the last <clears throat> good trailer you saw? Uh, I mean, the Blade Runner trailer is good. The Baby Driver trailer was really good. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that <clears throat> that's the thing. Both the movies you've seen, <clears throat> right. which proves and, my point right. that maybe you only like the trailer retroactively because you watched. No, that's product. not true. This is why I, I like watching trailers is because they're always entertaining, right? I mean, I think even a bad trailer is like still entertaining. It's like two minutes long at the most. It's like who? Who cares, right? And uh, my memory is bad enough that a week later I've completely forgotten about it. So I think like, too. I, it, does, it doesn't ruin the movie for me because unless I'm watching it like a day before I'm going to see the movie, I'm not going to yeah. remember. Yeah, people who complain about trailers, that was one thing I was getting at. That's the other thing is like, there are some people who are like, no trailers ever. Right. Another argument that I haven't heard somebody else say is like, trailers again work for me like what we were talking about before, where it's just just that much a little bit of joy, something to look forward to, just just a little bit, and I'll take it. Right. Like, I'll take in a crappy day to be like, yeah, let's see um, the, the Annihilation trailer, mm-hmm. which I finally realized is the Southern Reach trilogy right. that you've uh, read. Mm-hmm. So now when it, that, that movie looks amazing. The yeah. trailer looks awesome. Are you going to read the books? Now I am going to read the mm-hmm. books, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try and read them again with Julia. So I don't know if we'll actually do it, though. But the movie's only based off the first book, and the first book is pretty short. Right. Uh, it looks amazing. Yeah, it looks really good, and it's directed by the guy that did Ex Machina, which I really liked a lot. Yeah. And, but the books, I mean, here, here, this is the thing about the books. I... He's gotten a little cross-eyed. Right. I, I, <laughs> I have a hard time saying I liked the books because mm-hmm. I could not tell you what they were about. But I will say that I read all three of them, so I liked them enough to keep going. Uh, and I think I walked away from the books liking the books, but ultimately feeling like I'm not smart enough to understand what's going on in this. Like, it does enough to keep my monkey brain entertained all the way through, you know, 1200 pages, however long it is. But I was kind of reading it the entire time thinking I'll get to the next chapter and then things will really start making sense. (laughs) And then I got all the way to the end of the book and I just kind of like, well, I'm finished, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So I, I don't know. That being said, I do remember the first book. And I cannot imagine how they're going to turn that into, into like a coherent, a narrative. satisfactory movie. Yeah. Although I think interesting, <clears throat> interestingly enough, if they handle it in a way like possibly the first Blade Runner, where which is a movie that's kind of not built around giving you any answers, uh, it could be interesting. Could be really good. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I 
Yeah, I'm super excited. So anyway, that was one thing because some people are getting on like um, clickbaity articles. Ryan Johnson, who directed the next Star Wars, they're mm-hmm. releasing a trailer and you know, there are some people, apparently Ryan Johnson did not say don't watch the trailer, but some people like were like, Ryan Johnson does not want you to watch the trailer and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And all these people are like, I don't watch trailers, like burst out of nowhere. I just want to be like, and Ryan Johnson too, he was like, I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. And I just want to be like, why, why would you just deprive yourself of just that little bit of like joy? Yeah. And yeah, you're not going to remember everything unless you watch it a hundred times. Right. Watch it once. Have a good time. Well, it's become some sort of like hipsterish film culture status symbol. Like, I don't watch trailers. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just as like, okay, well, I, all right, whatever. Yeah. But I, I mean, I do understand it in the case of like, there are certain movies that you want to go into completely blind. You know, like Catfish. You know, I purposefully avoided any sort of information about Catfish right. because that was the word about the movie before seeing it. And I think that that gave me a completely different experience yeah. than if I had watched even a trailer. Yeah, we, we talked about this. On the flip side of that, I read everything there was about the Blair Witch Project before it came right. out. And that greatly enhanced yeah. my, my uh, watching that film. So, teach their own. Sure. <clears throat> um, so, oh, did you hear about the Rick and Morty fans? I, I'm not, I, I'm so far, like, I've never watched a single second of Rick and Morty. The only Rick and Morty I ever get is from the, the, from the front, from all on uh, Reddit. Uh-huh. And I am like, I'm, I'm so done with Rick and Morty and Rick and Morty fans. So, so here's, here's my one question then. What responsibility do creators have for their fandom? For their fandoms, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, uh, I would say none. Okay. Yeah, I can't be responsible for what some knuckleheads do based on. I, I, I mean, you mean in terms of like, in terms of like, responsible in, in terms of like what they create or in like how they are addressing it publicly? Yeah, you know, what, when I asked that question. I hadn't thought about it. I realized like it, it basically is a non-question because I think what's interesting, you, you have so you have fandoms like that guy that got kicked off of um Adult Swim. Uh-huh. Sam Hyde. Yes. And you know, you, you shared with me um where did he come up? The anti Fantano stuff. Yes. So um he came up there. And I was like, that, that obviously, his fans that he's hoping to create, he has full ownership of them, you know? Somebody watches his show, and then in the name of his show, goes right. out and, like, plants a cross in someone's yard and lights on fire. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they, I guess you know? it, it depends on what they're doing. So, see, I guess, I guess the, the, the better question would be, Creators who disavow their fandoms, but keep creating a show. Sure. That perpetuates that fandom. So, I mean, like, you know, let, let's say you hypothetically wrote a book that turned into a series 
And all of a sudden you see all these people like misapplying your narratives for their right. outcomes. And you're like, I disavow. And these are, and, and I think it's important to say like fandoms, not fans. Like I think that there's a difference. I don't think all fans will fall into a fandom of something. I think a fandom is kind of like a, a nebulous kind of, you know, kind of co- like a colliding of different factors mm-hmm. to create something that is actually like a cultural kind of identifiable movement. Um, I think that's a fandom more than like, we're fans, like right. sign my shirt. Um, would you stop writing your series? No. Okay. I mean, <clears throat> I think, yeah, I think it, de- I think it depends on like what's actionable. Right. Because like, I hold Donald Trump responsible for everything that people are doing in his name, right? Like, I don't think, I don't think the alt-right are misinterpreting what Donald Trump is saying, right? Whereas I would imagine, now again, the only thing I ever see on Rick and Morty is memes on Reddit, right? I would imagine that the Rick and Morty fan base who are losing fan their dumbs. fandom mm-hmm. fandom and yeah, who are plural. collectively losing their shit over chicken McNugget sauce are missing the point of the show. Exactly. But having never seen the show, I don't really know. I'm just assuming, I'm just assuming that because it seems strange to me that a show that is regarded for its level of intelligence and, sort of subtlety and misdirection uh, is not actually like corporate worshiping McDonald's, right? Yeah. So I, I, I would imagine they're all missing the point over, over this McDonald's yeah. sauce. Well, well yeah, I imagine. <laughs> I honestly have no idea what's going on or how an entire collective of people could get that obsessed over a dipping sauce. Mm-hmm. See, I, I think I think that is the cultural kind of this new cultural moment of like, well, it's not new, but of like a fandom happening. Like a fandom is separate from a, a gathering of fans. Now, to be clear, are you saying are you are you saying this F A N D U M B? Is that why you keep saying fandom well, because well, these people are dummies? Well, that that's now that you say that, yeah. But I mean, fandom is like F A N D O M. Right, like fandom, but I I do think that is it is a collection of fans who then so that is a subset of the fan base. Yes, I, I think whereas a, the fan base encompasses everyone who's a fan of the show. Fan base, and then the fandom. Then you is have the like, tumorous collection right. of people that somehow right. combine a love of right. a show. So the, the fan base is the NBA, and this stupid fandom are the Warriors. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you 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 got it. But yeah, there there is. I'm everything. We're coming out strong. We are now uh, licensing F A N D U M B. Right. When we reference fan dumbs. Sure. Um. But you watch Rick and Morty, right? Yeah. So what's the deal with the sauce? It's a sauce in the thing. Like, I mean, he, here's the thing. For my birthday, m- uh, my wife m- got me. I, I listen to many podcasts that go, my, my yeah, wife, I, and I don't want to 
because we're not derivative like right. that. Uh-huh. I can't say my wife and not mentally say it. Uh-huh. But anyway, uh, my wife got me um, a mug that was the same mug that Jake uses in Adventure Time right. to drink out of. Jake is the dog? Yep. Uh-huh. I love it. It's ama- It's great. I drink out of it every mug? day at work. It's, ju- it's like a shark with like a rainbow. Uh-huh. And like, that's it. It's, it's just the mug that you... Sure. So rather than get me like a mug that is Jake, like get me something from the show. Like that's, that's cool. Right. I'm not going to like, like I just kind of identify that the placement of that thing in the show that I like yeah. and that show in the right place in my life. That is, it holds a big place in my life because I love it, but it's all, you know I mean? It's all kind of compartmentalized and it's in its right place. Mm-hmm. That's all. It's just a sauce. But then people like got together collection from the fan base, got together, created this kind of mob mentality. The yeah. stupidity of humanity came out. And they start trashing stuff because they couldn't get a stupid sauce. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's all out of whack. I also, the grace insult I can lob at those people is I imagine their downtime, they just connected over like family guy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they seem to that type of people are like, man, two great shows on TV, Rick and Morty and family guy. Mm-hmm. And American dad is right there in the third, mm-hmm. in third place. You know what right. I mean? It's just the stupid, like, Rick and Morty is skewering a lot of the, you know, base level humor and pushing ideas a lot further. And I wonder if they are getting the deeper stuff. Right. If they're just seeing like, you know, he burps a lot and he always has like vomit coming out of his mouth a little bit. That's yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Cause that's what was, ca- that's what was tripping me up is that the only, like a lot of the stuff I see on Reddit about Rick and Morty is, I honestly is about how smart you have to be to think the show is funny. Right. But then I see an equal amount of stuff of people going crazy over McDonald's sauce. It's <laughs> yes. something like there's some disconnect here that I'm not understanding. Yeah. Just, just the, uh, cultural anomaly of the fan dumb. Uh-huh. That's all you're missing. Okay. Well, I can say that nothing I've seen on Reddit has ever made me want to watch any Rick and Morty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's like, <clears throat> it definitely. Um, it looks like a gross show. Is it? It looks pretty gross, right? Yeah, but I mean, again, I think I think what's interesting, and and it just goes to my sensibilities, in terms of what can you fit within this other like misdirection, right? Like, how far can we misdirect and then hit you with something meaningful versus either just being straight up sincere. And usually that misdirection is my sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And I think Rick and Morty is a huge misdirection of, yeah, look all this gross stuff over here and then, you know, hit you, hit you over here. Mm-hmm. I think that there are certain things where I've tried to get into that put you too far. Like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Does that mm-hmm. too? But I think almost it's like too much misdirection where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. let's, let's get it back to actually something that's like, Ah, that made me think, you know? Um, But no, I I really do like, and I think it's happening in in animation more than anywhere else. So, like, I'm a huge, I think Adventure Time does that. I think Rick and Morty does that. Um, 
you know, some stuff we talked about on here, um, over the garden wall does mm-hmm. that. Like, there's a lot animation wise that, that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have something you want to talk about? No. Uh, well, I had. <clears throat> I want to talk about Cuphead. I want to talk about Destiny. I want to talk about. Did you have a chance to see the new Blade Runner? No. We're trying uh, to go this week. So we can save that. Cuphead, Destiny. Uh, oh, I did have something I wanted to ask you. And this is going to sound like a very judgmental question. <laughs> and maybe it is, but it's not really meant to be. But I want to know how you are. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how to phrase it, but I want to know how you are doing, period. No, no, don't care about how you're doing. <laughs> it's I wanna, not great. I want to know how you are sort of reconciling your political beliefs and the stuff that we've talked about with continuing to watch and support the NFL. NFL. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know how that's going. Um, you know, I I honestly I feel like my my approach is Oh, an American Vandal. Just wanted to get okay. it out so I didn't forget. Okay, we're so we're still not done. We okay. we're, I, we're we're enjoying the crap out of it though. Um, so with, with the NFL, I think here's the thing. I'll cut to the chase. It's a cop out. And I think that in all of our lives, there are areas that we cop out on. Yeah, of course. And I think that my, my approach is kind of like, there are a lot of things I'm worried and concerned about. Mm -hmm. And a lot of perspectives that I value and support. I don't know that that means that I have to fully, hundred percent through my mental energy and physical energy support and endorse every idea that I find meaningful. Right. I think that my life has enough going on that there are certain things that based on who I am, I'm going to have an inclination towards that will bring me some level of enjoyment, satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and the NFL is definitely one of those. So there, there are certain things that I've been like, this is absolutely right. I now support this in, in terms of like my money, my activity. I will not be doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. The NFL is one of those areas that I, I just as easily could throw all my efforts behind because you're right. Like, and I don't shy away from like the discussions. Like you sent me that one. I forget what podcast it was on. Intercepted. Yeah. And, you know, he basically is like, you know, there's something troubling about these rich white owners kind of having ownership over largely black bodies and Mm -hmm. being involved in the sale and trade. And Mm -hmm. Jerry Jones just came out now and Mm -hmm. said, you kneel, you sit like Mm -hmm. 
that you are viewing your team as your plantation at that point. Mm -hmm. You're not living up to my expectations, which are based off of my beliefs. And therefore you're subject to my discipline. Mm -hmm. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. Right. Um, and, uh, at the same time, I think that the NFL is largely being played by, you know, these kind of black players who see in it again, this mix of abuse and opportunity exploitation and, uh, you know, did I say opportunity anyway? Gang no, late. I think you said ab abuse and exploitation. Okay. Abuse, exploitation, right. you know, and opportunity and, you know, kind of like satisfaction, like validation, you know? And, uh, and, and I think that it, it's both and, and probably if you throw it on some moral scales that don't exist, it is mostly bad. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> if you put our society on moral scales, it's mostly bad. If uh -huh. you put the companies I give my money to on a daily basis, they're mostly bad. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a total cop out. It's a, I think the other thing too, as a personal justification I've talked about in here, you know, I do daily fantasy that has provided for my family greatly, mm -hmm. you know, in ways that I couldn't otherwise. And so for me, it's a selfish opportunity to be like, I'm trying to provide for my family out here. I'm trying to like mm -hmm. hustle here, find some angles on this life that I've, you know, been given. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, so that, that, that's one of them. That's a further, I enjoy it. It provides for my family. It's totally exploitative. Uh, so is 90% of what I expose myself to on a daily basis. Sure. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah. <clears throat> because I've, as someone who doesn't watch football, I only get now like the worst stories about it. See, I was going to send you something. I was going to send you a gif of why I love um, football. It's just something stupid and funny happened mm -hmm. in the middle of a game. I was like, people don't focus on this much. And, and then remember the fans. Well, yeah, but I mean, because I it's at the watch. same time in the same game, someone like gets sent to a hospital. Yeah. And that's probably the bigger deal. Right. <laughs> All right. I was just curious about that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's total, <clears throat> it's total both. I mean, it's it's just like if I if I truly cared about a lot of things, I would source my meat that I eat. Sure, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so American Vandal, quickly, you're not finished with it yet. Julie and I watched it over the course of two nights. I know you guys. We flew binged. through it, but it's only. Eight episodes? eight episodes and are they an hour long or are they 30 minutes no i think i think they vary between like 20 something and 30 yeah yeah uh so we liked it a lot so how far into into it are you i don't think you have to be uh finished with the series to sort of get what they're yeah what they're doing we're, we're about halfway okay um but i mean like yeah it's it's hilarious and i think it does peel back a lot of this I don't know that everything is a direct comparison to cereal. Yeah. But I do like this idea 
of just like, and again, this kind of misdirection, right? So it's a fake documentary series about somebody who drew a bunch of dicks on mm-hmm. teachers' cars. Mm-hmm. And within that, you know, misdirection, there's a lot going on in terms of, you know, just subtle kind of observations on our culture, society, what we value, how we process and segment people in a digital age and all this other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like what what value is? I mean, even the the spoof videos that they that they do, um, I think, are a good balance of showing the stupidity and also they're all really like um, mean spirited and yeah. disrupting for the people that they do their pranks on, right? And they're completely oblivious, right? right? Like so, I you know again, how much thought and time I I choose to think American Vandal careers put a lot into it to say like instead of going for the easy thing on like you know this guy is a spoof channel and so they just do dumb stuff let's make sure that we show that the dumb stuff they do is actually kind of like really dark has dark implications for the people that they're doing these things to. right um so i really like all that um but uh but but the serial stuff like again made me think like when they when he drives the route. Yes. And he comes back and he's like, it's possible. Right. Like, and you realize like you didn't, you accomplished nothing with yeah. that. Like that was great podcasting when yeah. they, okay, we caught a light. Did he catch a light that day? I don't know. Let's you know do 10 seconds either way just to cover ourselves. Yeah. It could be done. You're like, you just, you've just totally done nothing yeah that would that is yeah, the least so clearly helpful. flawed too so I, flawed yeah, if you think about it for longer than 30 <laughs> seconds it's just like wait a minute this does not make any sense and that was an entire episode <laughs> of serial yeah. and i think it just shows you like the serial people i think tried to do it with some integrity but that could easily be bastardized with other people who are like citizen journalist right i'm trying to free this dude i walked it and i did in five minutes you know and it's yeah. like dude you were totally off in thinking that you just did the same thing yeah and it does a a really good job i don't know if it's gotten to it yet or if it's just in the later episodes but it does a really good job of exploring the uh sort of how how exploitive all of this can can be for the people involved and just for the people watching and the the, just what it does to the people involved you know what i mean and sort of like uh digging through all this stuff but it 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 it, it 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 they it's like you said they they the humor comes from it's almost like the humor is not even written into the show, which is I guess strange to say about a show that's entirely written. But it's like the the humor comes from the premise, right? And then the but the show itself, the humor comes from the show treating that premise completely Serious. seriously, sh- straightforward. Like it's not. It's not winking at you. It's not like nudging you with its elbow. You know what I mean? It just is like, here's a really stupid premise. And we're going to use that to sort of uh, give you a commentary on this sort of thing that has blown up in popular. Yep. Yeah. So we're definitely going to finish it. We're enjoying it. Yeah. Um, All right. So. Uh, Cuphead. Uh, I, I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I guess the only, the, I guess the two 
Well, the thing that I talked Destiny two first. Spent the most time on is Destiny. Um, I haven't been playing Cuphead as much, but I did want to talk about. It. I think you're farther than me in Cuphead. I actually still haven't played it since we talked last. Mm. Uh, I think I'm done with the second island, minus one, minus the bird boss. Do you watch any videos level. on the bosses? I've been watching one YouTuber play the game. He's actually uh, a Mario speedrun guy. So I've been watching him play the game like retroactively. You know what I mean? So like once I clear a set of bosses, I'll go back and watch how he did those bosses. Mm-hmm. But I haven't been like skipping them. I hit a boss that frustrated the crap out of me. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm just going to watch a video. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I've watched one video on one boss. Watching somebody beat a boss is cheating. Like, it's cheating. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> I just, I watched, I was like, oh. And then That's I just did it, that yeah. and, and did it. And I realized, like, Cuphead is the struggle. Yeah. Like, it is, I think, so like and they give you enough things to play around with mm-hmm. in terms of upgrades that you can do to like different weapons, different charms you can use. Like it's a puzzle game too. I think people treat it too much as like just a difficulty game of just right. like it's just going to challenge you and you just need to like when when I, like then after I was like oh, I'm not watching videos anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's a boss that frustrated the crap out of me and I found my own like cheat Right. To beat them. And I felt so good about that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that has been. Uh, I think the I think the the thing that makes the game so playable, despite being hard. And I do. I think it is hard. I think it's pretty hard. <laughs> is that it's so polished and well made that you don't ever really feel like you don't know why you died. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's always like, you know exactly why you died uh, and it may be frustrating and it may be really hard, but it, but... it never feels unfair for the mm-hmm. most part. There are a couple scenarios with like the uh, clown uh, boss um, where he he's riding a uh, merry-go-round horse. And then there's also the train that goes underneath, underneath it. And it's like you have to in jump that the... scenario, if you don't have the exact right charm select, you're kind of screwed. You're, you're, it's more or less luck. And there's a, maybe one or two things like that that made me feel like it's a little unfair. Uh, because for the most part, you feel like um, you can make anything work. It just is a matter of, recognizing the patterns, remembering them and executing. Right. But then you run into occasional occasions like that. And it's just kind of like, well, I don't have the right thing equipped. So there's just nothing I could have done. there. Yeah. You're talking about the smoke, like on him, you need, you have to have that invisible dash, whatever. Right. Yeah. You have to have that. Um, and, and it's not even that you have to have it. It just is luck of the draw because I don't think I had it when I beat him. I just happened to not ever get stuck in a situation where he was in the one corner and then the thing was also in the same corner. You know what I mean? I just avoided it all together, just mm-hmm. out of luck, just out of mm-hmm. because some of the bosses are random. Their patterns, there's some randomness to some of the patterns. 
but other than that, I've re- I mean, it's been really hard, and I've definitely run into like the the clown boss is one that I was stuck on for a long time. Um, the I don't know if there's any other one. Like you said, you had a hard time at first with the, um, with the flower. Yeah. And I had no problems at all with the flower, but then a boss that you said you breezed right through, I was stuck on forever. Like one of those earlier bosses too. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes I think, I think for me, it's also about like, like you said, like seeing patterns. Sometimes I realize my brain jumbles the screen up more than it is. Like mm, I'll see some stuff yeah. coming. I mean, it's like, I don't see any way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if I just breathe deeply, I will see that I can just walk. <laughs> Normally it's just a walk. My, my instinct though, is like jump yeah. and just jump around and jump out. Yeah. And that like, I remember was a big thing on the boss where I was like, oh, if I stay low to the ground, I'm okay. Right. So, so have you been satisfied with just, so it's just a boss rush game. Basically there's a handful of platformer letter levels. Have you been, you're not disappointed with that at all. feels like there's enough there for what you paid. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I would, I, w- I would paid more. I mean, it's beautiful. Music is great. Um, the bosses are fun yeah. and frustrating, but I never sat down to, to figure a boss out. And not at the end, maybe I didn't beat him or her, mm-hmm. but I at least figured out. Right. Like I could see clear progression because normally there's like three stages. Yeah. And so it's like, usually I was like, okay, I got to the final. I can, I can get that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. How far are you into the game? So I am just at the variant. Like I finished the third island. Uh-huh. And I'm fighting this train guy that is between me and the final boss. I heard that final boss is like a bunch of boss fights. Right. Um, I, I hear that's where the game gets unfair. Yeah, I heard the same thing. Uh, oh, have you read about like the different modes? I heard there's a black and white. So there's a, apparently uh, there's a black and white mode that you get by getting a pacifist rating on the run and gun levels. And you get that by finishing the levels without ever shooting your weapon. Never going to happen for me. <laughs> yeah. Never. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I might give it a try on one of the levels just to see if I could do it. But <laughs> listen, there's yeah. a run and gun in the it's. No, it's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, but I think that's the thing, too, with it. Like you said, at first, it's very overwhelming. And I think a lot of the difficulty, too, comes yeah. from learning the controls. But, like, like I, like I when I did the run-and-gun level with the cars and the ducks, toy ducks, when I first started that, I just was like, this is the <laughs> third one of these, and, like, I'm done. I'm done playing this game. Mm-hmm. But then after a couple times doing it, you you sort of realize the mechanics, you recognize how to run through it. And it was, wasn't easy, but it was like, I could do it pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, have you, um, did you change the controls at all? Or are you using the default See, controls? Yeah. I, that was something else on the besties that they yeah. freaked out about. I don't know how that guy was playing it, but he said they had to like hold his controller sideways or yeah. something. I was like, what are you trying to accomplish? 
yeah. accomplish. I, I move from shooting to hit Y and I go back to shooting. Um, now the scheme isn't great, I guess, because it doesn't use the triggers. Right. Um, I tried to remap it once and it didn't seem to work. I think maybe I remap. I don't no, know. It doesn't save. It did the same thing to me. I, cause the first thing I did was remap the controls because I listened to that on the besties and he also wrote an article about it. So I read the article too. So I was like, yeah. oh, okay, well I better do this then if this guy's that Is adamant it markedly about better. It. I mean, I, 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 well, I wouldn't know because I've never used the default controls. Oh, you, okay. Yeah. Because I remapped it as there's the first thing I did. And then I think it has something to do with like getting a second player in because after, because when I first started playing it, I only, I played the first couple levels with Julia and then I played the next couple levels with Sophia a little bit but after I'm sure she was um, a big help yeah after uh after Julia signed in it reset my controls back to the default controls and I had to redo it again but I, I mean I, I it, it I mean it works fine for me well yeah I I just I guess I learned to play with the default I could right. see what they're saying but it's not like I progress as far with the default controls so right I don't know. I, I at this point I'm like, should I change? Like, if it's about to get crazy hard, maybe now's the time to remap. But yeah. I also have played through eighty percent of the game, right? With default control, so yeah. I don't know. So now you're you're at this point. Yeah, I wouldn't think it's. Um, that's something actually that I started doing after playing Destiny, the first Destiny is remapping remapping because i did that i'd never really done that before until i started playing destiny and then there was a post i was like you should be using this configuration controller that so now i try and do it for every game i play at the beginning because if i don't like you said once you get like used to it it's like i don't want to have to relearn this even though i've i've already played half the game you know what i mean right um what so basically what what i've learned about you is that all i have to do is write an article that says <laughs> remap your controls on whatever game and you'll be like well i mean okay. it makes sense what he's saying to remap <laughs> yeah, we'll see. it made sense so i was just like oh i better do this i can't wait till i watch you play a game and you like turn your controller upside down and start playing and like like oh no no this is this is clearly the best way right. to play this game <laughs> yeah, well, like i said it makes sense um so but, but you like cuphead yeah i like it a lot i yeah. mean i haven't played it the past couple of days but it's like good it. yeah the, the, the sound design i have to say too is like there's this like click that happens when you shoot mm -hmm. i don't know why it's so satisfying to me i just love hearing them just like but you, but you use like all the different guns you've bought and all the upgrades and all that i i have everything but two i didn't buy the parry upgrades oh really yeah because i'm like i can parry and mm. par parrying was never like the last two things i have to buy is the automatic first parry mm -hmm. and the uh your your parry also turns into some kind of hacks Hack. yeah hit i haven't gotten that i'm like screw that give me all the guns i can play with all the kind of like charms mm -hmm. and then i got all three um specials Mm -hmm. or supers mm -hmm. so. 
let's uh all right let's talk about destiny okay so what do you think um it's it's amazing what clicked into my brain playing it Mm -hmm. based on everything you said there are things that i was tracking with what you were saying but i didn't say a raid Mm -hmm. like trials of the nine i'm like oh man that sucks dude you didn't (laughs) win nine i guess in a row i Mm -hmm. i you know i just didn't have a conception then you know, you you let me play the first Trials of the Nine, mm-hmm. my first with you, Dan, and two other guys that kind of came in and out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it, now I get it. And that is a complete, like, I, I played horribly. Mm-hmm. And the one reason why, because, like, I'll play the Crucible and be okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll, I'll actually, believe it or not, have decent games where I'm at the top of my team. Sure. But Trials of the Nine... You're playing against people who are coordinating. Right. You are, all those people are talking. Mm-hmm. In the Crucible, yeah, those people might not be talking. Yeah. And they're randoms, and somebody might just keep running one certain place, and you figure it out, and you go there. But you have to have a strategy and be able to execute it. Yeah. And for me, a lot of the times, like, what you guys are saying, I was not picking <laughs> up on. Like, I was just kind of always, like, a step behind. <laughs> And trying to run to where you guys are going. And then I think you knew, like, based on what you saw, Uh like, how to respond. And I would end up just, like, running into a room and being, like, trying to throw a shield and then get shot. Right, right. We know if I get a blip over here, I know what that's going to mean for the other side of the map. Right. Yeah, there were a handful of times where everyone on our team is dead. And then because you can go to other people on your team once you're dead... And I cut over to you, and you're just like running in a big circle. I'm running, like, cause I, yeah. And then you just run into four other guys. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm trying to keep. And, and right. even as you guys talk, there's there's still a shorthand that happens. That I think it's just yeah. like, again, because you guys have played before, that I was completely so the the most I had in a in a match, like three kills. Yeah, like, that was it. I just I just couldn't get my bearings and that to me i think is destiny in a nutshell Mm -hmm. like the game is so deep in ways that you can't explain or understand until you do and even playing the game for as long as i have like i still don't even know what the raid looks like right you know i mean like i've never again and i refuse to watch videos because i kind of want to experience it Mm -hmm. if i do but um but i mean still destiny has you know elements that i haven't yet figured mm-hmm. out and so no i'm i'm enjoying the the crap out of it and i'm not critical enough to really like evaluate it i kind of get the feeling like people who say who like are down on destiny 2 mm-hmm. i've usually played destiny 1 and it feels right. to me like we're just dealing with like extended burnout yeah. Because, like, there's so much game there that, like, if you go there and you're like, oh, it's not what I thought it was, I'd be like, yeah. what do you think it was? The first-person shooter that, like, gives you every element and aspect of a first-person shooter I could dream of. So you must not like first-person shooters then. Right. You know? Yeah. I think with Trials specifically, the difference is that it, like if you're just playing regular multiplayer, it's kind of like uh, 
if you see a red marker on your radar, you run towards it. And in trials, it's more about patience and then sort of capitalizing on mistakes. So it's kind of, it's more of a slow grind and then it jumps into a big burst of action, right? Yeah. And I think ideally the way you'd want it to work is, you know, there's, there's a, there's a time of patience and you're sort of feeling each other out and you're hoping to get the first pick. And then as soon as you get that pick, you collapse on it. And, uh, because you've got the other team outnumbered. Mm-hmm. And then you can go back into this sort of, uh, patience zone yeah, and hopefully get another and just sort of feel each other out. Dude, th- th- I was kind of split split me up with this other guy and there are times where I was in the room with him. He's jumping around. He's like, he knows what he's looking for. Like he, he knows like, okay, I'm looking here. I don't see them. That means that they went left. Right. I'm in the room. (laughs) He, he goes to the front. I go to the front. Right. I don't see anybody. I immediately throw a shield up. He's already gone left. Like he he's he's determined. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm not thinking like like I'm thinking, oh, they'll they'll be here eventually. Mm-hmm. But like that's not the way Charles of the Nine is set up. Right. You have one objective. So everybody's kind of working together for that objective. And um I didn't know where he went or like even how best to get there. I wasn't as familiar with the map. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like then I'd like run out and then you know, I joked with you. Like I have one flank move that I keep trying to do and that, and so that was where I was like, well, maybe I can flank these guys. Yeah. And I'll just run into four and die. Yeah. Immediately. Flanking. It, it does not work well in trials and it, it definitely does not work well in, in destiny Two because it's such a team focused. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, the PVP, the multiplayer stuff, the PVP stuff, is really disappointing. Just is not that much fun. Um compared to the first game. Okay, yeah. Uh so I think most of the fun for me for trials comes from playing with my friends. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the first trial, in the first destiny, I would seek out other teams if I wanted to play. In in Destiny Two, I, I've and it's You're been happy out for a month. Your... I've had no desire to play multiplayer unless I'm going to be playing with three other people I know because yeah. it just it's just not that much. It's just not that much fun. Um, so that's been pretty disappointing. Yeah, I I I will say I can't wait to play Trials with Chris for the first time. <laughs> you mean Chris, right? And maybe like Dan or somebody like. Yeah. That will be super fun. Yeah. Uh, for the single player stuff, it's interesting you bring that up because there's, have you, I don't know if you vid- visited the subreddit at all. No. But the subreddit is, has completely imploded. <laughs> it is a disaster area. People are furious uh, and they're really unhappy with the game because a lot of stuff is missing, quote unquote, from the first one. Um, but but again, like these people made the first one. Are you like, are people really thinking that they are just like, 
I mean, again, you played the first one, wasn't it? Not constantly evolving, but it evolved, right? I mean, <clears throat> why, why, why won't Destiny Two evolve? Like, why is this it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it will. I think the, I think the assumption was just that we got through three years of evolution. And Destiny 2 is not an evolution of what Destiny 1 was at the end of Destiny 1. But don't you think starting off is for people like us, like me? Yeah, I mean, I mean, sure. Yeah. But it's still frustrating to for for these people. It's not frustrating for me. I love the game. I think it's a lot of fun. But and and I agree with this, but I still think the game is fun. Destiny 2 is an evolution of what Destiny 1 was when destiny one came out, but there's three years of progress there that are not apparent in destiny two at all. And a lot of that progress was there because people on the subreddit and on the budgie forums were calling for it and were suggesting it. Um, so that's why a lot of people are frustrated, but to your point, and this is something that continues to completely just like, boggle my mind is there are people on the subreddit who have put 200 hours into this game who are like mad because they think there's not enough content in the game and it's like like wait a minute yeah I, you might need to get some perspective here like like this game costs you 60 dollars you've put over 200 hours into it like you're good buddy done you don't they don't you don't need anything else from it like you would have paid the same amount of money to play Resident Evil 7, which is 10 hours long, eight hours long. And like, and that's it, right? If you want to go back and play that game again, you'll be playing literally the exact the same, same game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, well, you know what you, you are experiencing, Justin, right? Destiny 2 fandom. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I might be. Yeah. That is Destiny 2's fandoms. Yeah. And I, a lot I a lot of the criticisms I agree with. Um but I think and I think I was talking to you and Rob about this when we did the Nightfall. Is Which was super fun by the way. Yeah, it's that a, was, it's a that blast. was great. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's a lot of fun. But again, I think a lot of that fun comes from playing with friends Mm -hmm. right like the pve stuff i do still enjoy playing uh and playing with friends is always more fun than Mm -hmm. not you know but like the pvp specifically is just not fun for me but i could do it if i'm playing with friends but i think the uh um what a lot of people like for me i just like actually playing the game right like the the grinding for a specific Roll on a specific gun was never a huge appeal for me and all that stuff, which is what people are bemoaning now because all of that stuff is gone. Right. And uh, like I was saying to you and Rob during the nightfall, it's like they took out all of the stuff that basically led to people playing this game for thousands of hours. And now, People are upset about that because for some people playing a game for thousands of hours is perfectly acceptable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas for me, like it really did a job on my life and my Mm -hmm. health and my relationships. And so 
coming to Destiny 2 and seeing all of those things removed and being able to get on Tuesday night and run through all the milestones with you and Chris and being and feeling done for the week and being like, that feels good. Hey, right? I don't have to touch this again unless I really want to. That feels, yeah, it feels, yeah. it feels weird, right? Because I'm used to like sitting down and playing it for hours and then going in and then waking up the next day and playing for 30 minutes before I do something. You know what I mean? It feels weird because I don't feel that draw anymore, but I know that that is a good thing because it's not like I'm not just previously throwing hours into this game that I don't need to be putting into the game. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I think there is something to be said, like, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I've gotten to max light, right? I've gotten to the max level you can get to without ever doing the raid. I've, I haven't gone flawless in trials. I've done two nightfalls. I haven't even done the, we haven't even done the hardest level of the nightfall yet. Yeah. So it's like, <coughs> theoretically, you could get to max light level and only do public events. So it's like, what's kind of, what's the point of max light level if, mm-hmm. if you're not being pushed to these end game activities to get there? And, uh, you know, like I said, it's great because that, draw to get me to play endlessly is gone Mm -hmm. that's great for me because that works great for my lifestyle for other people they that's what they want yeah yeah it's like it's like fine i'll give them that if that's what they want because like you said yeah that's you're you're basically at that point debating what you want versus what they want yeah and that's fine you want you want that that's fine i will say that for for me i would hold judgment until the first big kind of whatever they call it, I don't even know, like update. Expansion. Expansion mm-hmm. happens. Like that to me is a really good opportunity for them to say like, here is what we're we're doing. This is it. If if they just expand more of what they have, then I think that would be like, yeah, that's like, okay, then I'll I'll public event myself to the next, you know, max level and whatever. And that will be frustrating that, that, you know, I'd probably be done at that point if it's literally just more of, but I don't know, man, I kind of, uh, I, I kind of am at least giving them the opportunity to like really iterate because now they've got their destiny one base. They've added whole new players like Chris and I, who are like, right. we don't know what to expect from this game. We get it. We've now, I'm I'm at 300 now as mm-hmm. well. Um, I know it's like 305, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm like right there. Yeah. And I've done probably less than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've I've gone that far. Um, now I would be willing for them to be like, okay, if you want to achieve the same heights that you did in the first round, now you're gonna have to work at it. Now we're gonna like put some barriers up, put some different things up. Mm-hmm. And challenge you and then you know that that might keep me going but yeah. if it's just like all right guys max levels at 408 good luck right yeah i'm, I'm done um <clears throat> yeah the raid is uh it's 
I have, I don't know if this is because I've, I've been able to get to max uh, light without having to do the end game stuff. <coughs> I have no desire to do the raid whatsoever. Yeah. And I've loved all of the other raids in the game. And I waited to watch anything about any of the other raids before I played them. And because I knew I wasn't going to be doing this one anytime soon, I watched, um, I haven't watched like a playthrough start to finish, but I've watched like strategy videos and it just, I don't know, doesn't appeal to me at all. Yeah. I'd like to do it eventually. I think, um, I think we're not too far away from like me, you, Chris, Rob, probably his son. That's five. Mm-hmm. And then maybe Dan or just if Dan doesn't want to do it, maybe just like uh, someone else from the clan. Um, at least just getting in there and playing around because uh, when people say that it's hard, it is very, very, very hard. Yeah. Um, and it's hard because the mechanics are very precise. And if you don't know what you're doing, you could be stuck in like there are people where it took them like 18 hours to do it. <clears throat> so like riding your sparrow off of a bridge. <laughs> yeah. So it, it could be one of those things. And, and how I, uh, how I always approached it in the uh, first game, um, because I was never like into like, uh, I never really cared about the mechanics, figuring out the mechanics. Mm-hmm. I always just wanted the actual discovery of the area to go unspoiled for me. Uh, because that was the, always the most impressive thing about that to me is that there are always these huge areas that don't look like anything else in the game. Yeah. And it's just, is that's always been the, the, the draw. That, yeah. The draw for me. So usually what it would be is like, if I'm going into a, a, a group blind, like a blind group, we'll like go in, have fun in the area for a little bit. And then like watch a video on how to do it. Um, or I or I join a group that's done it a million times and they just tell me what to do. I'm just there to see the sites anyway. Um so what so what did you what have you made of the nightfalls so far? Because we've not had a great track record. Nope. Uh but do you feel like they're like appropriately difficult or do you think it just is you learning the ropes? Yeah. You know, I, I think again, I am one to, to be like, maybe I, I give too much over to the creators of content mm-hmm. and I'm not critical enough. Cause I'm basically like, you guys know what you're doing. Give me an experience. I'll do my best to like figure it out. Mm-hmm. The time ones I have found to be less fun and more like frustrating, yeah. maybe a little bit. Um, well, not not frustrating, just like nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. And the other w- one that we did that we completed, so we didn't do the first one. The second one, you, Chris, and I did. We finally beat it after a few times. But that was just that wasn't timed. 
Right. So the first one was timed. And we didn't, but we, it had we, we the never anomalies, it. right? Yeah. That you had to shoot. Yeah. But and it we, was also, that one was also like notoriously, like there were people on the subreddit who were like revolting because they thought it was too hard. Right, right. That we, one we, was pretty difficult. Yeah, we never did that one. The next one was, there was a timer, but it was, um, it was, it like, was like 25 way, minutes, yeah. right? It gave you the max a lot of time and there were just no changes to that. You had 25 minutes to do it. You all, and then that you also had your abilities and super recharged faster. And, and see that that was just that was just fun. Like, right. and and I realized like, yeah, I wasn't using my like I know what that meant. I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that's just fun. like I didn't realize like I should literally be throwing grenades <laughs> and using my super just like right. every time yeah, it comes up. I sent up. you the video of the guy <laughs> playing it just... himself, and he literally <laughs> threw more grenades than he did like shot his weapon. <laughs> And I, I may have used even the one that we won. <laughs> right. I maybe use like five grenades yeah. tops. Yeah. Um. So no, yeah, it's me learning the ropes and stuff like that. And then the second one with the anomalies again, like that is just like that's just nerve wracking. And so, yeah. but there, there is again like a cuphead issue where when you refine your approach, and listen, I don't know what it is, man. Like, I played hyper like drifter mm-hmm. on my own, beat the whole game love hyperlight drifter mm-hmm. people say that's super hard cuphead love cuphead i'm almost done with cuphead mm-hmm. super hard game first person shooters i don't have it i don't know what it is i'm not good mm-hmm. i think i'm too like tense in the moment of first person shooters like there's no distance for me from like i'm controlling a character versus like oh crap this is me this is all reflection on me. Mm-hmm. I suck. I'm a terrible person. Everyone knows it. Like, you know what I mean? There's just like, I think there's this, that added kind of social pressure mm-hmm. that, that cripples me. I'm not good well, at a first person shooters. I think there's a kind of language that you pick up playing the game. And the way I learned that was by watching people play on Twitch or on YouTube. And it's something that, uh, that's another thing that I started doing with Destiny is when I struggled at the beginning of the very first one, it's why I started going to the subreddit. I would go to YouTube and say, okay, how does how do the top players play this class? I'm going to watch them, and then that's how I'm going to play it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm going to turn my controller backwards. Right. I'm gonna... All right, I'm going to turn my hand into a Remap claw. Everything. I'm going to cover the Y, the B, and the A with my index finger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that that's something that will come with time. Uh, it's just interesting to see other people experience it because you're playing for the first time. I mean, the one of the reasons for those timers is that in the first Destiny, the Nightfalls were not timed at all. Uh, and uh, when it first came out, the Nightfalls were very, very difficult like they are now uh eventually you know everyone sort of learned the game and you got powerful and you got better weapons and the nightfalls became not so difficult but when it first came out everyone struggled with the nightfalls they weren't timed there was also an exotic sniper rifle that regened ammo Mm. so people would go into the nightfalls just pick the farthest possible spot you could get away from everybody snipe. and snipe them uh, endlessly until everyone's gone, then run through the room to the next area. 
and you'd be in a nightfall for like an hour and a half. Because also in the first game, if you die, if everyone on your team died in the nightfall at the same time, you got kicked back to orbit and you had to start all the way from the beginning. Yeah, so it was pretty brutal. But that's one of the reasons for the timers. But like I said, it just it's part of the sort of I think learning the language. Yeah, I'm on the timer, it's the anomalies that I think <clears throat> just just add that extra nerve so it's not as fun and enjoyable. And I think at some point I start feeling bad because I feel like I feel somewhat responsible for not winning, mm-hmm. especially with the anomalies. Because I feel like we gotta fight for our time and we gotta make the most of it. And I'm mm-hmm. still figuring this out. Versus here's one clock that's enough time to do this. Mm-hmm. Now you guys just figure it out. Mm-hmm. It, it takes a little pressure off. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of fun with the game. Though. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I no, like it I'm, I'm looking forward to the reset tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, jumping on. I'm looking forward to anytime you, Chris, and I get on and play. I'm looking forward to Chris finally experiencing Trials of the Nine for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm still super excited about a lot of the game. You're you're totally right. I mean, however you want to analyze it, we could just fall back on how long have I played it? How much should I pay for it? Yeah. Go, done. Great right. great game. Yeah, it's so. yeah, it's strange that it's one of these games that it's like people just are not satisfied no matter what. Like even if you played it for 50 hours, that's still a ton of time for a game yeah. that like you look like the like the Uncharted games. You don't put that much time into Uncharted, and no one's complaining about the length of that, even though they're paying the same price. Yep. Uh, The only other thing I wanted to talk about briefly was the Polybius conspiracy. Mm. You listened to the first episode? Yep. And I have a feeling that it's fake for some reason. I just feel like obviously the conspiracy is real. Like it's like it's a real conspiracy. They didn't make that part of it up. But I feel like the guy is fake. Bobby. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's you, something you seems that, I don't off. Know. I mean, well, the I'll say the off thing to me was like, I was like, is he on the spectrum kind of stuff? Because it's mm-hmm. made him out to see mod like growing up mm-hmm. and that he's an odd character. And so I was like, maybe that's it. I don't want to read in, especially with gamers. Like mm-hmm. they can, they can have odd personalities and, and quirks. Um, did you do any research on him though? On if he's a real guy? I've no, I've done research. I've tried to look up if the, con, if the Polybius conspiracy podcast was fictional, um, which didn't turn anything up. Yeah. Except for a couple articles that were just like, um, I've never heard of this Bobby guy. I can't find any information about him at all on the internet, but that kind of makes sense because of his story. And he's probably trying to keep a low profile, but the fact that nobody knows who he is Mm -hmm. and that he's not readily searchable or knowable makes me think that it's and it's also like and and not just that but every literally every other thing i've looked up and read about the polybius conspiracy is like yeah this is just like a thing that was made up in two in the 2000s well yeah that's the thing is i 
I find it funny to what extent they have to go to to make this seem like it's something. Right. That's you know? what that's what is tickling me a little bit. <laughs> me too. When they were like on the next episode, he was like, he showed me this picture. I was like, right. that's him. That's right. the that's the boy. And I'm like, so you saw a picture and you just decided there he is. Right. Okay. Like that's that's not that's nothing. You you've got this is a conspiracy. This is a classic conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there. It's easily explained away. Right. You have no greater, like, if they had something, I would put it right in the first episode. Here's what's making this a must-tell story now. Right. This definitely feels like, hey, let's start a podcast. What we want to do, let's do a conspiracy thing. Okay, well, we have mm-hmm. the Polybius one. Okay, done. Like, even the fact that they got Ernest Klein to, you know, kind of like um, comment on their first episode to me mm-hmm. set the tone for what we're dealing with here. Right. Ernest Ready Player One Klein, right. uh, a book that I could not stand, is their kind of like character witness for this conspiracy. And even he was like, yeah, I kind of took it, I adapted it, and I made it even more because there's really not much there. So I. Right. I had to like add to it because it's just one game that people said popped up that, you know, and mm-hmm. it just doesn't. And I mean, even when they were like, it doesn't explain how a little boy got that far away. I'm like, what? The, there's a million, like no one's ever heard of somebody, <laughs> a kid showing up a few miles away from their home. Well, he was 60 miles away. 60 miles. I, I mean, it's far, me, but I, yeah. I think the whole, I, but I mean, I think the whole thing is made up. That's what I'm saying. I think, like, wouldn't there also be a story about uh, someone being a, a kid being abducted? That's what I'm saying. Like, the thing I read was like, I couldn't find anything about this Bobby right, yeah, guy. Bobby. It's like, not even his abduction story is on there. Yeah, I think if that's the twist, then they're they're mischaracterizing it to the point that that's not going to suck me in when they're like, this is, you know, or, or however, you know. So wait, I guess I should say, are you think they're purposely trying to deceive us that yes. real? Oh, I thought you were going to say like there's going to be a twist later on where no. they realize that. Like no, I, well, aliens I mean, are going to they're going to do like an a, HG Wells yeah, thing. I think it's a limited run. It's I no, I think it is a limited run thing. And I think that it's just as like this kind of uh, experience like it uh, it's like a, a less obvious American vandal. Well, no, I was like, going to say we're like, going to make a one of these serialized podcast, true crime podcast things. Uh, we're going to pull this somewhat obscure conspiracy theory and we'll create a central character to sort of propel the narrative. Yeah, no, th- I mean, they're eating into like Tannis is really good. Right. That's, that's the podcast, I think, for a conspiracy that's purely fiction that's really, really, really great. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten even better uh, lately. Um, Tannis is where I go. Mm-hmm. So I'll give Polybius, you know, maybe one more. But if the next one is like, that's him, and they're like, on the next episode, uh, I saw a painting and it was them. Right. <laughs> and the painting was painted in the 1700s. About. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I'm just torn because I liked the episode. I thought it yeah, was yeah, yeah. It's well, it's well produced, well edited, right? But well acted. I do not wink. listen to fictionalized 
podcast uh, yeah, as, a, as, a, as a as a as a as a standard, right? That is like a I don't I just don't do it. I'm not just I just facts. don't have the time. Yeah, I just don't I'm just not interested. So I've already debated unsubscribing. But Even since I couldn't but since I couldn't find anything definitive that was just like this is being written. Yeah. I was like, well, I'll give it a couple more. The other thing that's throwing me off, and I know that this is totally nothing because uh there are parts that are like scripted. Uh there's writing credits on the episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Always. No, yeah. that's the first thing that sent my radar up a little bit. I just want to listen to the fourth episode with you when they do go HG Wells and they're like, the aliens are invading now. And you realize like they are just building out a yeah, it'll just true be, fiction. It'll be very anticlimactic, me scrolling to the settings and unsubscribing to my podcast and then starting <laughs> something else. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all I've got. I think all right. There's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about, but I think that's all of it. I didn't take any notes, which I probably should have done. I want to do some quick hits. Okay. Really fast. Um, Gerald's Game on Netflix. Uh-huh. Really good. What's that? So it's a Stephen King oh, right. okay. adaptation. And I enjoyed the heck out of it it's super super good um and i think it does a really good job of adapting a story in a way that holds the core of the story like i think that in adaptation is the thing that ends up getting lost it's not that the story you know like you can like Watchmen, right you can mm-hmm. hit panels and you know hit that story and just be absent a core you know mm-hmm. like like you just watch and you're like it, it's missing something you know uh and then other adaptations that work like magnificently i think with stephen king again i think uh one thing that makes him interesting i think we've talked about this he's notoriously a terrible finisher right of his novels but what he has is usually a really great core of an idea and he knows how to like, you know, kind of spin out that core in a way that is like interesting and intriguing and uh, unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he doesn't know then how to like close it all off. Um, but in this adaptation and like other adaptations of his, I'd say like Stand By Me um for me at least the green mile which took a while but once i got it 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 again has these core elements that you get reading the story mm-hmm. so even the changes that they make you walk away feeling like i know why that story was special i know why that story was worth my time or their time to like create it and in gerald's game it absolutely has that there there's a a playing of levels of story that Stephen King will do that I think some people in film get nervous about doing in film. They just want to tell one story. So especially stories like Gerald's game, which do you know the premise even? Mm -mm. Um, I, I did at one point a few weeks ago when I watched the trailer or read about it, but I've already forgotten. So I think, I think one of the problems is like 
with movies that take place in one setting mm-hmm. is that normally that's the only story that the person tries to tell. It's like, here's phone booth. Here's right. um, free fire, which actually got better the second time. I really like that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, here's Gerald's game where the whole action pretty much takes place or panic room mm-hmm. in this one um, setting. And we're going to make that like the story. But they don't realize, like, you can in one setting find ways to, like, layer and tell multiple stories even within that one space, which I find interesting. So Gerald's game, a woman goes to a place to try and rekindle something with her husband. He wants to handcuff her to a bed to kind of play out this fantasy. Mm -hmm. And he ends up having a heart attack. And now she's handcuffed to this bed. He's dead. And they're in this room. Mm-hmm. And she has to get out. So, like, there it is. That's the, that's the one story. So you just tell the story of the lady handcuffed to a bed. Mm-hmm. But he then kind of shows her mind, which almost immediately starts to fracture a little bit. Right. So she sees her husband now, like, he is commenting on her situation. Another version of her is commenting on her. And you're like, oh, there, there it is. There's that, that kind of thing that's going to get us through. Mm-hmm. We're just going to see them kind of interact with her. And that's going to be the story. Then he starts telling a flashback story of something that happened to her, which again, you know, is in the book and something that Stephen King does well, where he does these multiple kind of timeline and narratives and stuff. And then there's another story of, of a character that kind of shows up in this kind of thing that you even forget about. And then at the end, it kind of brings it all together. And it's just like, it's dynamic. Mm -hmm. It takes one straight ahead story and tells it in a dynamic way. And I think it's fantastic. Like I, I loved it a lot. Yeah. I heard that it was good. The thing that I read said it was, it was like one of his worst books maybe. Yeah. And and again, that's why they took the core out. They Mm -hmm. understood the core. They hit all the dynamic things. They told it. They cut some stuff and really told their story. Yeah. And it totally delivered. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was really good. So anyway, Gerald's Game. Highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Super Dark Times. It's another one. Mm-hmm. I, I think you'll like it. That's a show? I just read something about it's how. It's a movie. Yeah. I just read something about how that that represents teenage life or something yeah so um yeah i I I read a headline yeah i was talking to rob a little bit about it and one thing that i was saying to him is like it definitely is one of those things that like when indie gets their age Mm -hmm. i won't be able to watch movies like that (laughs) even this which turns into like a thriller yeah it just makes like 12 13 year old boys 14 15 uh, yeah they're probably more 15 but just it's a nightmare out there it's yeah. you know the bling ring um kicks ki- kicks i just i can't man mm-hmm. i can't my son's eight he is just he thinks butt is the funniest mm-hmm. and worst word available mm-hmm. to him and uh, i just want to keep it that way but anyway <laughs> 
So it definitely has that. And it yeah. definitely moves into some like thriller territory. But it definitely gave me the feeling of like it follows where it's telling this very kind of specific story, but in this kind of heightened reality. And it takes time to kind of flesh out their world and their experience of the world mm-hmm. in a way that I like. I really responded to. I really liked it. And the kids feel really authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, I don't know how you'll feel about when the plot kicks in and it turns again into more of like a, like a thriller. And the ending has enough there that I'd be really interested to talk to you about it. I have a specific interpretation that I might be completely off on. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd be interested in your take on that. So definitely recommend Super Dark Times. Okay. Um, That's on Netflix? No. Rental. Okay. Um, Gerald's Game is on Netflix, though, right? Gerald's Game on Netflix. Super Dark Times, not. Mm-hmm. Still watching The Deuce. I really, really, really like The Deuce. Mm-hmm. Um, two more things. I brought your horse recommend. Okay. I really, I've been thinking a lot about this. I actually reread it. And the, the specific angle I'd, I'd like to leave you with on this. And again, no timeline on it, but you do have it. I hope that you do feel the weight of this uh-huh. book uh, being here and you'll want to get it out of your house. So you'll read it. It's the Black Monday Murders um, by Jonathan Hickman. And the one thing that really jumped out to me again is this attempt to explain the world that we live in, Mm -hmm. which again, Hickman always does through this kind of like organized chaos. And he really goes into it on this. Like symbology is huge. Mm -hmm. And these symbols that represent these like forces. So these forces are kind of huge and unknowable and Lovecraftian, right? They're, they're bigger than us. Like all throughout it, you'll see all hail God mammon. Like it's there on the front. Right. And you see these symbols and the symbols are very specific and it just appeals to number one, like the conspiracy side of me too. this idea that like there's order to the chaos. There's things behind it. Mm-hmm. There's Illuminati, there's forces, there's whatever when in reality is just chaos. Right. Um, but then also like explaining the chaos through these ways in ways that make you feel like you look at the financial market and you're like, this is utter insanity. This is insane. And just today I posted on Facebook, the EPA is rolling back the clean energy bill. Right. Mm-hmm. And or, or the, the, the clean air protection, Act, um, which basically is just like, let me pollute. I'm a coal company. I need freedom to pollute. And, right. and they're being like, okay, you, you got it. Mm-hmm. There's no other kind of like, it's just a direct corporation execution of, you know, their, their, their demands. And you get this idea of like this absurdity and insanity yeah. that is dictating the, the, uh, our lives. Yeah. And I think the black Monday murders like hint at that. And say in a very, again, I think it's his most coherent take. It's not Manhattan Project, mm-hmm. which is just further and further and further insanity and absurdity. Um, this is more focused. And so I re- respond, or even East of West, 
like I'm a huge fan of all of his stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I think this might have more appeal. Again, you might hate it. Um, there's also a little bit of like I can see Fincher directing this. There's a little bit of like seven detective stuff going on too. Mm-hmm. And it's just really stylishly drawn too. I really like it. The last thing I'm gonna recommend is, you know, this might come with age. Like this started, I don't know what we talked about it last time. I think it was last time we spoke in person. Elise started playing some old music. It got me like back into like albums that defined me. Mm-hmm. I've been returning to them. Maybe it's just my my stage in life. It feels really good to revisit them right now. But there's a there's an album that I completely forgot about. Um, it's called "I Am the Dot," and it's people who used to be in this band called Young Coyotes that I like. And their album is just called A Collection of Songs from 2008 to 2010. Basically, it was just like, you know, they tried Young Coyotes. I think it's really great music. Mm -hmm. Didn't really happen. They kind of reformed as I Am The Dot. Tried some stuff. I think people largely shrugged. So they had this collection of songs, and they were just like, all right. Here's our collection of of songs, and he is like a modern Brian Wilson, like in terms of his soundscapes, the way that he uses like voices and harmonies and pitches, right? And musically, it's unclassifiable. Like you don't know where a song is going. It's mm-hmm. just like going along. You're like, oh, I got it, and then he just like hits a chorus, and then the chorus just goes like that way, and then it's like back over here. And it's super, like, I can't stop listening to it. Mm -hmm. And if you ever find it on vinyl, whatever the price, please (laughs) let me know. Buy it for me. If you see it out in the wild, I will pay you back, whatever it is. Sure. Um, It is just such an amazing album that, again, is like, just it's already lost to time. Mm -hmm. and And it will be lost to time. And that's another thing that I kind of, on a side note really quick, is like, the digital age, I think we we kind of assume that everything is like found and will always be in a state of like um, existence. Like it will always exist. That's not true. Like that's a lie. Like things in the digital age can get lost and get buried, mm-hmm. can can go away. And I Am The Dot, I think is one of them, even though it, there are other bands I love that like, I, they're not on iTunes. Like, I, you just assume. You're like, yeah. oh, I got iTunes. Right. It's like, nope, it's not on there. Like, if I want to find it, there's still stuff that I, I love where I need to, like, go to my old iPod because it's even off my old computer I don't have. Like, it's just on this iPod now. Or mm. um, YouTube. Like, I just have to listen to on YouTube videos. Yeah. So, I am the dot. Listen to it. Okay. I, I think you'll like it. I. I love Check it. Check it out. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to close with something, actually. One last thing I wanted to talk about. And it's this Donald Trump tweet that I sent to you. <laughs> and I'm convinced that it is like... I'm convinced that it is like the, the keyhole that I'm peeking through 
that is showing me that the world that we live in is not real. Uh-huh. And while everyone else is looking at all these other things that he's right. tweeting that like contradict what he's saying now and what he's doing now and like look at this hypocrisy. <laughs> I'm stuck reading <laughs> this tweet. <laughs> and I'm convinced that it is it. somehow the key to unraveling the existence of the entire world. It's like um this is your Jonathan Hick this is the beginning of your yeah. Jonathan Hickman. It's like uh the best analogy I could come up with was uh, uh Inception. So you know at the end of the movie where he spins the top. Right. This is your totem. Right. And everyone's like focused on the top. Right. And they're like, oh, the top, it keeps spinning. So that means that he's in his thing mm -hmm. or whatever. If it keeps spinning, yeah, then he's. Yeah, I don't remember. But then they're like, oh no, but you hear the it wobble. wobble. So it means he's, this is the real world or whatever. Right. But then it's like a couple months go by and some nerd who watches the movie way too many times is like, no, you got to look at his wedding ring. That's the real totem, right? This tweet is the real totem. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is looking at even the presidency when in reality, it's this tweet. Please read it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's from October 16th, 2012. So almost five years ago now. And Donald Trump tweeted, I have no idea what this is referencing. The Coca-Cola company is not happy with me. That's okay. I'll still keep drinking that garbage. <laughs> it's so strange. And there it is. Right? Is that not so strange? Like, it's just so strange for Trump in, um, of himself to, like, this man is, like, he's, like, kind of inadvertently, like, acknowledging a flaw. Right, which is not something that he would do, man. It just is. I still can't wrap my well, head around. Yeah, it. it's it's so interesting. I I do like the idea that this is like in the Truman Show. This is the light that fell from the sky for right. you. Like this yeah. is it. We're like, where did That's that it. light? And people are trying to be like, hey, Justin, right. it was a plane. It was yeah. just a piece of a plane. You're like, oh, oh, that doesn't that doesn't sit right. And there is something to the fact that. Um, and then again, I think not knowing the context is key. Like, mm -hmm. so he upsets a whole kind of industry. He is engaging in behavior that he knows is mm -hmm. harmful. Right. He is actually ingesting it and <laughs> saying that's garbage <laughs> and actually sees a defense against this perceived attack yeah as being like i'm gonna keep shoveling garbage into my mouth and keep chewing it as of as a reaction against you mm -hmm. as me winning like that is kind of like yeah. at the core of our existence it's basically just like is that is that where we're at where basically people are like listen i'm doing something that's bad to me Right. But I feel triggered by by something or the universe or you or an institution. And my response to that is actually just keep shoveling more trash into my mouth. Yeah. And I, just keep 
obstinately eating it. Yeah. I think what's throwing me off about so much is that it's, it's, it's strangely, it's just like uncomfortably honest and relatable coming from a person who I never thought in a million years would be honest or relatable. You know what I mean? And I think context would actually would absolutely throw that out the window, right? Yeah. Because yeah. context is going to reveal that he doesn't actually think or understand that Coca-Cola or like soda in general is really bad for right. you. He's just calling it garbage because the Coca-Cola company is angry at him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't pull on that thread anymore, Justin. <laughs> It'll all come tumbling down. You're gonna wake up the great turtle. <laughs> And it's going to roll over and we're all going to be smashed.